the word of comfort and confidence and what it's just great that we can receive that word this morning as we open our hearts and take in his word. Psalm 99, we'll give an overview here of, of God. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. That word tremble is quake. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment, and doth establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies, and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answered them, O Lord our God, thou wast a God that forgavest them. Though they took us vengeance, though thou took us vengeance of their inventions, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. It's a very interesting description of God. We see the holiness of God. We see that men tremble at his presence, that everything quakes, and that he reigns and that he is a God who takes vengeance. But look at Psalm 100. Now here's a transition. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. After reading verse Psalm 9, or chapter Psalm 99, doesn't it just leave you in the presence of an all-holy God who takes vengeance that we are unworthy and unholy before him? But in Psalm 100... How that he has rescued us, he has says that he is God. It is not us that made us, but it is God who made us, and we are his sheep. Let may we enter into the gates. Now, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 1 with me, and this will be our text this morning. And I wanted to bring a message of not just comfort, but assurance of our salvation in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This will be the only text that we deal with this morning. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, to bless your word, Lord. 
Father, may you show us the mercy and the love, the unfailing and and boundless grace that you give to your children. Father, we ask, Lord, that you meet the needs of the heart and, and give your special grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Now that word therefore is therefore to reason. It connects in two ways. First of all, it connects with everything that was said prior in the earlier chapters. Now what it says is, if you look back at chapter 3, verse 21, because... Look at verse 25, actually, chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God, he's talking about Jesus and the redemption that's in Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That therefore, and the reason that we are no longer under condemnation is because Christ has been set forth by God as a propitiation through faith in his blood. God has set Jesus forth. Now think about that, that Jesus is the one that was brought forth. All eyes were on Jesus. Think about the scapegoat there in in Israel, how they brought forth the lamb. And all the eyes were on the lamb. They were on the innocent that had his his blood shed. And we know that for propitiation means covering. That Jesus' blood is the covering. Because of Jesus' propitiation and atonement and covering, we are not condemned. The therefore is also, look at chapter 4, verse 25. Because Jesus was delivered for our offenses, in chapter 4, verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Because Jesus was delivered for our offenses and risen again, we are not condemned. Now look at chapter 5, verse 19. Because of the obedience of Jesus, we are not condemned. Chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made or constituted or declared sinners guilty, so by the obedience of one shall many be declared, constituted, made righteous. Because of Jesus Christ's obedience and his death upon the cross, there we will not be condemned because it says that he will declare us to be righteous because of Jesus. Because the believers have died judicially to sin in chapter 6, verse 2. Well, look at chapter, or look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because he has died and we have died judicially with Jesus, that sin cannot condemn us, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We have died to the condemning power of the law. Look at chapter 7, verse 4. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. What is it that accuses you? What is it that accuses you 
before God of your sin, of your guilt. It's the law. He says, count yourself dead by, to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. In chapter 8, verse 1, so having established all these truths before then, that is one reason that word therefore is in there. Because of everything that we just saw Christ accomplish in his great work of redemption, we now have no condemnation when we are in him. Secondly, it also is coming from chapter 7. Chapter 7, Paul is describing the painful and ceaseless conflict which we have of our sinful flesh and the Holy Spirit always conflicting with each other. There's a struggle within us. If you are a believer and you're a child of God, there's always a present struggle of our flesh wanting to sin and the Holy Spirit wanting to say, no, don't do that. that so there's always this uh, conflict. Paul is giving us a self-portrait. Paul comes into first-person narrative when he says um, in verse 8 of chapter 7, but sin taking occasion uh, by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. And so he goes on in this personal account, this portrait of how he does this. But look at, at this. He says in verse 22, of chapter 7, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. That means in my body. They're warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What was still present in Paul, in Paul's flesh? Sin. Sin. Okay, so there's sin still in these bodies. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now why is that a therefore in verse 1? Now think about this. Paul had just talked about the powerful presence of sin in our lives. We feel sin. Uh, I, if you are a believer, you know exactly what I mean. You feel the constant sin. Paul has said this struggle, and look at verse, six, um, verse 16. If then, uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, verse 15 of chapter 7. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. When Paul was a saved man, you better believe Paul was a saved man. He was a holy man. But sin still dwelt in him. He recognized the powerful presence of sin in his life. Now if then, down at uh, verse 16, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. What is, what is the struggle here? The struggle is the presence of the power of sin. And then he says at verse 24, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? But look at the contrast. Now if you were just to leave there 
and never open up chapter 8, you would never have your heart explode with the overwhelming victory which we have in Jesus Christ over sin. Because Paul says, even though I feel sin in my body, it's warring me, it's depressing me, it's bringing me down, it's bringing me into doubt. Sin gets worse and worse and worse. It never gets better. And I feel the weight of that every day of my life. The powerful presence of sin. Who can deliver me from this power? But look at chapter 8, verse 1. This isn't talking about the power of sin. This is talking about the guilt of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Yes, you may have sin overpowering you in your life, but now there's no more condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You're secured, you're locked in, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. <laughs> I've been pardoned. I'm free from the law of sin and death. Death has no more reign over me. So what this is, is yes, child of God, you do feel the power in your life of sin and it's causing you this conflict. But don't ever feel guilt because Jesus has paid for all that sin. It is by Jesus in his blood, his atonement. And Paul's like, this: things I want to do, I don't. And things I don't want to do, I do. And just a struggle. And I know I love the Lord, but why am I so enticed and continue to fall, continue to fall? Now, Paul is saying, okay, I, I know that this sin is present with me. You know, the only time that sin's not going to be present with you is when you sow these bodies to the, to the ground. And the Lord resurrects you into a new body, a new glorified body, where sin will not be present. But in the meantime, don't let that sin in your life make you think the Lord's not forgiven you of your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ with all your heart that he has forgiven you. Ask him to forgive you. Now, Psalm 99 says that he's an all-holy and just God, and he is dealing out in vengeance. It called him a terrible God. To those who are outside of Jesus Christ, they're not in Christ. They are condemned. And he will be a terrible God. He will be a just God. He will calls you to tremble. I mean, he causes us to tremble. Those who love the Father, we tremble at just his power. But aren't you glad that he has brought you in? He has redeemed you. He saved you by his power, by his might, by God's determination that he will save you and that he will keep you and that you are going to be with him in glory Amen. when you die. And that... I. Praise the Lord. I know that's where Brother Billy is today. And I know that's where my sister is. I know that's where Terry is. I know that's where all of those and Marshall, those who have lost loved ones, we can be victorious in our hearts, knowing that, yes, we all go through sin. We all fail short. We all fall short. We all slide. We all slip. And how sad is it that people will look at you and they'll try to judge God and His goodness based on your life. But look, I'm a sinner saved by grace. God saved me where I was, with who I was, and when I was. There was nothing I had to do special to be saved. God saved me right where I was. 
right where I was sitting, my condition as it was. Now, that sin you feel from chapter 7 is forgiven in Christ. That sin that you feel, that struggle you feel, the guilt is gone. What separates you from God? What sends you into hell? Guilt. The guilt. Jesus went to the cross to pay for my guilt of sin. As long as I'm in this body, the presence is still there, but the guilt is gone. And that's what Paul is saying. Consider yourself dead to the law. What works the guilt? The law. That's the law that Satan accuses you. So here's a couple things. What this does not mean. It does not mean, chapter 8, verse 1, does not mean that our own hearts won't condemn us, because they will. Uh, 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Our own heart wants to give ourselves a hard time, doesn't it? And it should. And I believe it should. That's, I think that's more of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We'll condemn ourselves, but God does not condemn us. So that's not what this verse means in chapter 8, verse 1. Nor does it mean we will suddenly find ourselves worthy of all forgiveness and worthy of not being condemned. What it does mean is that as a matter of fact that God does not or will not condemn you if you are in Christ Jesus. You will beat yourself up, but God's forgiven you in Christ Jesus. That's what that means. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Being in Christ Jesus means it's a place of position, not a condition of our flesh. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about being in Christ versus being in Adam. We're all nature. By nature, we are born the children of wrath. You know what that means? For a long time there, I thought, oh, what it means is we are all by nature wrathful. We, we all just want to go out and just be wrathful, right? But that's not what that verse means. We are by nature the recipients of God's wrath. That's what that means. By nature, you're in for God's wrath. That's what the Bible tells us. But in Christ, that's being in Adam. Being in Christ, we're born again. And now we, are, we have a new nature in Christ. And there's a lot more that I can discuss and talk to, but I want to move along. Notice in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, there is therefore now. What that implies is there's two states of existence for every person. There is someone who is not justified. The opposite of condemnation is justified. So... There was a before time, and now there's an after time of being not under condemnation. In order to be in Christ, the scriptures teach a death. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about being buried with him in baptism. How that we are dead with him, how can we continue in sin? And without going into a lot of exposition on that, what that means is that when Jesus Christ died, you came to, when you came to repentance and faith, you came to see yourself in the state that you were in, you were finally honest with yourself and with God, 
You didn't use others to judge your morality. You used the standards of God alone. You looked within yourself and then looked at God and saw that you could not stand before God, that you are unholy before an all-holy God, that you're fearful of God's wrath, our great and terrible God, who will exact vengeance. You saw and you had the tremble within your heart. And then when you came to repentance and faith, what happened is that old man, the old, the Bible talks about the old man and the new man, the person that was dying and going to hell, who I used to be, was crucified with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. My guilt, what did God have to do with my guilt? God does not ignore my guilt. I'll probably, I mean, if the Lord doesn't take me, I'm going to sin again. If today, tomorrow, I'm going to sin again. There's punishment for that sin. It does not go unpunished. So what about that guilt? God did not ignore my guilt. He transferred it. <laughs> he didn't just say, poof, it's gone. It just disappeared. Like, No, it had to be paid for and dealt with. He transferred all my guilt to Jesus Christ. There he paid for my sins. The old man, the, the Philip Jeffries that was dying and going to hell, living life the way that I wanted to live, I did not love God. I did not think about God or the things of God. I never felt God's presence, nor did I, was I looking or nor did I care. That was the old man. That old man was dying and going to hell because that was the natural man. By nature, we are the children of wrath. By nature, we are the recipients of God's wrathful judgment. And that will happen the, after you die. After you die. But we see that this meaning now of being not under condemnation, that Jesus, him dying for my sins and my sins being transferred to him, he paid them all in full past, present, future sins of mine. Therefore, I have no sin on my record because they were all transferred to Christ. He paid for them all. I don't have to pay for any more of them. He paid for them all. That's my trust. That's my faith. I put it on the finished work of Jesus Christ to save me. That is the only way I can stand in the presence of an all-holy and mighty God. And you know what? God is the one who did it. God set forth Jesus to do it for me. Isn't that love? Isn't that amazing love? Isn't that amazing grace? That all eyes saw Jesus as he stepped forward. He said, I'll die for Philip, Jeffries. Secure him in glory. Isn't that love? And you know what? Jesus says, All that the Father giveth to me, I will in no wise cast out. He will lose none. All his sheep will hear his voice, and they will come and follow him. And he says, Neither will they perish. But, oh, aren't you glad we're in the shepherd? Aren't you glad you're a sheep of his flock, of his fold? 
There's therefore now no condemnation. There's no plead of guilt. Oh, how wonderful. And I start thinking about just the matchless grace of God, His amazing strength and might in salvation. You know, as um, we lay our dear brother tomorrow to rest, you know, that's his body. That's not him. I was thinking of those songs when I lie silent and still in the grave. And in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. And I think that is, it is well with my soul. And I got thinking about that. And I started looking at my hands and just how many hands that I've seen lay in repose. And, and he's not there. You know, I got to thinking how lonely would it be to be in a cold ground I don't I'm not going to know because that's not the body that God has prepared for me God has a new body prepared for me this body that I'm going to lay down had a struggle with sin I couldn't enjoy my sweet Lord's glory as much as I wanted to but he has done a work he has done a work he has rescued me he has redeemed me by his own blood and he is going to do all things well. He is going to give me a new body where I can enjoy the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Do you have this hope in your heart? Do you have forgiveness of your sins? Oh, forgiveness of sins is only through Jesus Christ and faith and trust in him alone. Otherwise, we stand outside. We stand outside and we're exposed to the wrath of God. For no one will be able to stand before him. He will exact vengeance. He's our great and terrible God. But in Christ, we have a reign of grace. We have a reign of life in Christ Jesus. Because every knee's going to bow. Whether we're saved or not saved, all the world's going to kneel and look at him and say, here is the Lord. That's the Lord. I pray that you submit to his lordship now while you still can. His Lordship now. Because if you wait, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Father, for the glory of your salvation and the fact that we're forgiven of our sins in Christ. Lord, thank you for the payment that, he, that Jesus made for my sins, that he rose again the third day that he is satisfactory, made the payment for all my sins. Father, I can hope and have faith and confidence and remain stand steadfast in the anchor of your promises, for you will not fail. Father, you have promised to save us in all your promises, Lord, as we saw in Sunday school. Father, there is no shadow of turning with you. You change not. What you have said you will do, you will do. What glory, what grace, Father, when that day comes where we are with you in glory. But for now, Father, as your people, let us love one another here. Let us share in the grief and the sorrow. Let us just be encouragements. Let us be help. Let us go out of our way to love one another. For this is well-pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.